Contrary to what tech bloggers would have you believe, the success of Apple's iPhone has little to do with ecosystem lock-in, App Store exclusives, or the latest smartphone features. Market dominance like this is a predictable and recurring pattern in business, and it does not rely on any of those things. Hey, it's Rick Kettner here. Let's talk about Apple's iPhone and its dominant position in the US market. It's been at the top for a very long time now, and all signs indicate that will continue to be the case well into the future. Now, if you talk to technology enthusiasts, they will offer up all kinds of reasons and explanations for why the iPhone continues to be so dominant. And these reasons tend to evolve over time and change depending on what is happening in the market at that particular moment. So historically, they've offered up reasons like better cameras, faster processors, iMessage lock-in, App Store exclusives, ecosystem lock-in, and perhaps most popular of all, Apple's incredible marketing. But while some of those things almost certainly play a role, they do not fully explain Apple's consistent dominant position in the US market. So in this episode, we're gonna take a look at things from the business perspective. Why is the iPhone so dominant? Why is Samsung the only brand to put up a decent fight? And perhaps most interesting of all, why isn't the iPhone as dominant in international markets? To answer these questions, we're going to explore three powerful insights from a book that was first published back in 1993, over a decade before the original iPhone was announced. The book is called The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Al Rees and Jack Trout, and it helps to explain exactly why Apple has been so dominant in the U.S. market. Let's begin with insight number one. Results are driven by perceptions, not products. As consumers, we like to believe that the best product generally wins. That if Apple makes a better smartphone this year, then it should sell better. If Samsung or another manufacturer makes a better phone next year, then it should sell better. And whenever this doesn't happen, when we have the perception that the better product isn't selling as well as perhaps it should, we start to come up with reasons or explanations around why this might be happening. So we think of things like ecosystem lock-in, cell phone contracts, or other things like this that might somehow contribute to the inferior product selling better than what we perceive to be the better product. But unfortunately, this is not how business works. Results are primarily driven by perceptions, not products. So even though features do matter when it comes to enthusiasts of a given product category, most consumers in any category, whether it's smartphones or something completely different, most consumers, most people spending money and driving the revenue and profits in the industry are casual buyers, and their purchasing decisions are driven largely by perceptions, brand perceptions and heuristics like that that cause them to choose one product over the other. So again, even though enthusiasts and tech enthusiasts or tech bloggers care about specific features, this is not what guides most purchasing decisions. And to drive this point home, because I know there may be a lot of tech enthusiasts watching a video like this, I think it's worth exploring 
a product that you happen to buy that you are not overly enthusiastic about. So for example, ketchup. You almost certainly buy ketchup either for yourself or perhaps for a family member or for guests when they come over, but in all likelihood, you don't consider yourself a ketchup enthusiast or something like that. You buy ketchup because you need ketchup and you want to have ketchup for those around you. So if you're anything like the overwhelming majority of U.S. customers, you buy Heinz ketchup, the safe option, the easy choice, the brand that is perceived to be the leader in the category. I'll give you another quick example. When it comes to soft drinks, most people buy Coke. They might mix in a few other brands or a few other flavors for variety's sake, but when it comes to buying soft drinks, the overwhelming majority of people out there prefer Coke because it's the leading brand in the category. And worth noting here, there is no ecosystem lock-in that drives Coke's dominant lead in the category. People buy Coke because it's perceived to be the leading brand. And even though there are alternatives out there that are very comparable, like Pepsi or Dr. Pepper or other knockoff brands that might even be, in fact, closer in terms of flavor and simultaneously cost less, people buy Coke. It's the leading brand in the category. I'll give you one last example of this. When it comes to painkillers, most people buy Tylenol, and not because it's the most effective brand or the best for everybody that ends up using it, but because it's the leading brand. And so most people end up going to Tylenol, even though there might be a painkiller that if they were to test all the different versions out there, might be slightly better for them. And in some cases, people do, of course, test various options and end up choosing the best. But the over overwhelming majority of people out there just simply turn to Tylenol because it's the leading brand in the category. And what all of these examples have in mind is that they were the first brand into the minds of their target audience. They were the first brand to successfully establish themselves within their category. And the same is true of all kinds of categories, including pickup trucks, basketball shoes, DSLR cameras, coffee shops. The examples go on and on. And in almost any category out there, you're going to have a clear category leader that most people consider the safe or the default option in the category. So the core takeaway here from this first insight is that as consumers, we do not have the time and energy to be an expert in every single category out there. And so as a result, we rely on heuristics, on things like brand perceptions to guide our purchasing decisions, especially when it comes to categories that we don't consider ourselves very passionate about, or we don't consider ourselves enthusiasts when it comes to the category. So generally speaking, coming back to smartphones here for a second, it's not so much a, qu a question of which is the best smartphone in the market, but rather which smartphone do people believe is the best smartphone in the market? Now, the obvious question that this raises is how does a brand become perceived as the leader in a category? So to answer that, let's continue on to insight number two. Be the first brand into the minds of customers. Generally speaking, the first brand to successfully establish themselves within a new category 
they become the leading brand in the category. So if we go back through the history of cell phones, the flip phone was first introduced to us by Motorola. They became the leading brand in that particular category. Then along came the hardware keyboard-based phone and BlackBerry, who established that category or that approach. They became the leader in that category. And then, of course, today, the modern all-screen approach to smartphones is led by Apple because they introduced that format with the original iPhone. And so this is how category leaders are born. And the reason for this is because as human beings, we make mental associations between things all the time. And when it comes to product categories, we tend to link them with specific brands. So when we think of the category, we think of the brand that we most closely associate with that category. And once we establish a connection like this, we rarely change our minds. So as the book explains, it's better to be first than it is to be better. It's better to be the very first brand to make this connection in the minds of your target audience than to come along later and to try to convince people that you now have a superior solution and that they should change their association. And this might sound kind of crazy, but this is how our brains work, especially when we are not category enthusiasts. People that absolutely love a specific category, they might be more likely to take in new information, to adjust their preferences, and to change this kind of association. But again, as I mentioned earlier, the overwhelming majority of customers are casual buyers in a given category. And so once they form a connection, that connection tends to stick. So for example, if I mention a category like fast food, most people have that category linked with McDonald's. If I mention coffee shops, most people link that with Starbucks. If I mention electric cars, most people would link that with Tesla. Streaming television, most people would link that with Netflix. We make these connections and they're very, very resilient, especially if, again, we aren't necessarily product enthusiasts that are constantly comparing or checking for what might be the best solution today. Now, to be very clear, and this is a very important point, it's not enough just to be the first person to create a solution. It's all about being first in the minds of your target audience because what we're talking about here are perceptions. And of course, perceptions don't happen in a basement somewhere where you're creating the next great product. It happens in the customer's mind. And so it's not enough just to create something. You have to bring it to market successfully. And this is why there were tablets before the iPad. There were MP3 players before the iPod. There were smart watches before the Apple Watch. And even still, the iPad, the iPod, and the Apple Watch, they're becoming the leading brand in their category because they are successfully establishing their brand in the minds of customers. So again, not enough just to be first. You have to be first in the minds of your customers. And a very common mistake that businesses make is they believe they can change this connection by coming out with a better product. They think, if we just make a superior product, if we demonstrate to the world why our product is better, then we can become the category leader. And unfortunately, this is a losing strategy. It's generally a very bad strategy to try to create a better version of what the leading brand has already created. Now, this begs the obvious question, how was Samsung able to find some success? And why isn't the iPhone as dominant in international markets? To answer those questions, 
questions, let's continue on to insight number three. Non-leading brands have three options. When you're up against a strong leading brand, you can do one of three things. Number one, you can create a new category. Number two, you can compete in a different market. And number three, you can be the alternative brand. So let's start with number one. You can create a new category. The idea here is if you redefine the category, you can become the brand leader in that new category. So as I mentioned earlier, Motorola, dominated the flip phones, BlackBerry dominated the keyboard-based phones, and then Apple came along and redefined the category again as the all-screen device. So if you wanna beat the established player, one effective strategy is to create an entirely new category. And there are two different ways you can do this. You can create a niche subcategory and just dominate that smaller category, or like BlackBerry and then Apple did, you can create a new category that has the chance of eventually overtaking the previous category. And so even though you don't beat them at their game, you redefine the game and then that new approach becomes the dominant approach and now you're the global leader in the larger category. So that's the first approach. The second is to compete in a different market. This is very important because again, what we're talking about here are perceptions. And so perceptions are dependent on any given market. So the iPhone can be the dominant brand in the United States, but an international audience might not necessarily identify Apple as being the leading brand for them. And so you can choose as an alternative business to target a different market. You could target based on location, price point, gender, age group. The idea here is to identify a gap in the leader's strategy. You wanna find an audience for which they are not currently identified as being the leading option with that particular group. Because again, this is about perceptions. So even if the iPhone is the dominant option in let's say the US or in North America, well, what of course a lot of Android manufacturers did is they found different markets that weren't yet aware of the iPhone or at least weren't convinced the iPhone was the right solution for them and they became the dominant brand for that particular audience. Effectively creating a new category, but in this case it's more tied to location or price point or something like that. Now, the third option is to be the alternative brand. The idea here is that in any given category, there are generally two kinds of customers, those that wanna buy from the leader and those that do not want to buy from the leader. So there's room for a brand to come in and appeal to this second group, to become the alternative to the leading brand, just like Pepsi to Coke or Burger King to McDonald's, there's room for a brand to come in and position themselves as the best option if you do not want what the leader is selling. And of course, this is exactly what Samsung has done. They've positioned themselves as the best option if you do not want to buy an iPhone. And they've done this in two different ways. Number one, Right from the beginning, they focused on offering features and things like that that Apple was unwilling to offer. So an early example would include a removable battery in the very beginning stages of the market. Eventually, they offered larger screen devices far earlier than Apple. And more recently, they've offered things like styluses and they've maintained the headphone jack for an extra generation or two when Apple was unwilling to match those features. So they've offered things to customers that Apple was unwilling to. But more important than that, Samsung 
focused their marketing strategy around ridiculing Apple and Apple customers. And this is very reminiscent to what Apple did in the 90s with their I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ads that were ridiculing PC customers. And the idea behind this strategy isn't to win over the other side. Samsung isn't trying to earn the business of Apple customers by mocking them and their willingness to stand in line for the next iPhone and that sort of thing. They're not trying to win them over. They're trying to unite anti-Apple sentiment. They're telling the market, if you feel as we do, that it's silly to wait in line for the next iPhone or that the iPhone isn't that great or that people are just sheep and they just follow the herd and they buy the iPhone. Well, if if you agree with this message, then Samsung is the right brand for you. They've positioned themselves as the emotional alternative to the iPhone. And as a result, they are now the brand for customers that do not want to buy from Apple. So to bring all of this together, contrary to what tech bloggers would have you believe, the success of Apple's iPhone has little to do with ecosystem lock-in, app store exclusives, or the latest smartphone features. Market dominance like this is a predictable and recurring pattern in business, and it does not rely on any of those things. Instead, it's largely based on the advantage that leading brands get when it comes to brand perception. So if you're interested in learning more about this, I recommend that you pick up a copy of The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Al Reese and Jack Trout. That's it for this episode. If you're interested in learning more about business from the best business books in the world, I recommend that you subscribe or follow my updates on social media. If you have any questions or comments about anything that we covered here, let me know in the comment section. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to connecting with you again in a future episode.